Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. This morning, I want us to focus on the Romans, I'm sorry, the, the Genesis 12 passage. So Genesis 12, about, about the Lord said to Abram. So let me just read that first part for you again. It says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse and you, all the families of the earth, shall be blessed. So Abram went. Abram went. As I thought about that, there's a little page in this book, uh, The Healing Path by Dan Allender. I wanted to just read this page to you. It goes like this. Dan says, My, my ten-year-old son Andrew and I sat on our porch as a spring day was coming to an end. As darkness surrounded us and the heavens began to glow, he looked at me and he said, Am I here for some reason? It was a moment that nearly took my breath away. I spoke slowly and quietly so as not to disturb his deep questioning with the flap of words. Yes, son, you are the only you this world will know. And something about your life is meant to make something about God known in a way no one else can do. The wind, cool and gentle, brought us the smell of mountain pine trees. We sat on the porch in silence and waited for God to make his purpose known. Faith, hope, and love free us, to a degree, from the regret of the past, the fear of the future, and the emptiness of the present. Our growth inevitably draws us to ask questions about our purpose and calling. Why am I here? What am I to become? What am I to do? The healing path does not lead directly to healing, but to engagement. First, we are called by God into relationship with Him. We are also called into service for Him. To serve God is to bring our story to Him and allow our life themes to make God's story known to others. Our common calling is to make known the glory of God even when we do the most basic things of life like eating and drinking. As 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we do it all for the glory of God. A radical life begins with the premise that I exist for God and for His purposes, not my own. So as we think about that for a moment... I love what he says in there. I'm going to read that to you one more time, hopefully at the end, if you'll let me read it to you again. It's, it's got some great things, and I want to make some connections for us into the life of Abram. But as we do this, first I want you to think through those verses I read you before. And again, I've got my three questions that I'm asking you all the time to think about these because I continue meeting people, and it's true for me as well, oftentimes, where God, Jesus is back here. So I know he's around, okay? But because he's back here, okay, that... Was it Psalm 16, verse 8, I think it is? I said, the Lord always before me, because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. But if he's back here, how easy is it for us to go through times where we feel shaken? That does happen, right? 
Yes, and so when he's back here and we're not recalling who he is and we're not bringing him up front, it's just so easy for us to go through life shaken and forgetful. And I had a young man come into my office and he was, he was down. He'd gone through a lot of stuff in his life and he was really, really down. And so as he was going through some of the struggles he was having, he then shared with me what he wanted. These are some new things that were going on in his life. And he shared with me and he shared with me and he shared with me. And as he was, when he finished... I kind of smirked at him because I like to smirk. And so I, I said, you know, there's one thing missing from all these things that you wanted. Because he wants to be a witness for Jesus. He wants to actually work within the church. And so as he shared and shared, I said, you know, there's one thing missing. You know what that is? And he kind of looked at me with a little bit of a confused look on his face. And I said, Jesus is glaringly absent. Just out of curiosity, is Jesus ever glaringly absent from your life? Yeah, I know it's a short night. I, you know, lost an hour. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Just want to check. Is Jesus ever glaringly absent from your life? What's really sad in my life, because you know I've brought this up numerous times before, but every time I step into a meal, I should always go like this. Before I pick up the fork, I should go, oh, that's right, Jesus is here. Because I always want to find some contentment and satisfaction and joy out of my food on my plate rather than letting the food be my pleasure or being some good thing that God gives, but Jesus is what satisfies me. Now, you all have your other stuff. A little example for us to think about. So if we start with God, you are, if we think about Abram, God comes to him and he tells him to go leave his country, leave his kindred, okay, leave his family, Okay, that's pretty important, right? To leave your land where you belong, then to leave your peoples, and even leave your family, that's a big deal. So how in the world, okay, so God, you are, what's going to be leading him? God, you are, what is God? You're right, okay? God just comes to him. He doesn't have this huge, extensive background history like you and I have. We've heard the stories, before Renee was baptized, she read the 100 Bible, story, 100 Bible Stories book. She read over and over and over again all those stories of what God has done in his faithfulness. But here God comes to Abram. Man, how in the world could he just come and have God speak to him and say, okay, I'll go. Pat, would you come on up? All right, so some of you have already done this, right? The trust fall. Because what God is saying to Abram is, trust me, go. Doesn't say, doesn't say like, just go to this land. You've not been there before, all that kind of stuff. Just go, okay? So let's just see how trusting Pat is. Trust me? Yeah. <laughs> all right, go ahead and fall back. Okay. That wasn't bad, was it? Not very bad. Yeah, okay, so let's try that again. Okay, that was good. Should we try that one more time? Sure. Go for it. Thank you very much. James, come on up. Trust me, James? No? Mm. 
I like honesty so much more than everything else. Okay? Can you do what my wife did? Can you fall back? Okay, just trust me. All right? Good. All right. Let's try this one more time. Ready? Go. He trusts me a whole lot. Good job. Now, they can both do that, okay, because there's a level of trust. TJ's father, don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to come up. <laughs> but TJ's father could come up. He's a substantially larger man than James. And he might think, oh, no, I don't know this guy from anybody. And he might have a harder time trusting. My question for you is if you thought about God saying to you, Step out of, your, of Austin. Step out from the people that you know here, at fam, uh, your family here at Redeeming Grace. Step away from your own family. Leave all that behind and go to a new place. Don't worry, I'll just lead you. You just go. That kind of trust in God, would that be easy for you? It's a challenge, isn't it? The thing about that kind of trust to step out. So in order to have that, we need to continually, over and over again, remind ourselves of who God is. For Abram, God, you are... I would just offer a couple things. God, you are present and you just spoke to me. God, you are, I promise, one who promises. God, you are one who blesses. God, you are one who protects those are things that you've made known to me in your promises. You're going to come through for me. Does God offer similar promises to you and me? Would you please repeat with me what you heard read earlier in John chapter 3, verse 16? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. What's the promise? Everlasting life based on trusting him, right? Trusting him. And so if I trust him, I have that everlasting life. And we all live and rejoice in that beautiful promise, don't we? That's one we hold on to with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. Okay? But you know what? God makes more promises than just that. God says to Abraham, I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you descendants. Oh, by the way, what did he not have? A son. How old is he at this time? 75 years old. He's 75, not any children. And God says, you're going to be father of many nations. Wow. There's a lot there to trust. So Abraham went. This is amazing that he would go. Okay. God, you are those things. You're a promise-making God. You bless. Therefore, in Christ, I am, or therefore, Abram was what? Abram was bold, wasn't he? He stepped out and did. Therefore, in Christ, when I have these promises also placed on my plate, Therefore, in Christ, I am. Oh, by the way, I did this with a student in my office. And when I did this with, with him, we, we went through these things. And we got to the, therefore, in Christ, I am. He said, yeah, but I don't feel that. 
There's a lot of truths about Scripture, what it declares about you and I, that we don't always feel. Isn't that true? So, as I was reading another book, Neil Anderson writes this one, Bondage Breaker, also Victory Over Darkness. He just talks about, um, if you've been in my Bible class today, you've heard this twice already, so sorry. Okay. Um, in John 8, Jesus calls Satan what? Father of lies. Father of lies. What does Satan love to do? Deceive. deceive us. Lie to us. Deceive us. Hey, Eve, if you take from the fruit in that garden, it's going to be great. You'll be like God, and that's what you're missing out on. You're missing out on the good life. I'm at a wedding last night. If I just have that second plate of food, it'll be so much better than the first plate. If I just have another drink, if I just have a little bit more, if I just have something else, if I could just get it, then I'd be satisfied, happy, and secure. What's the it? A new house? A new piece of property? A new car? Just my health back again? All that past to be erased? A new whatever from Amazon.com? If I could just get it, then I'd be happy. If I could just get a friend, if I could just get a spouse, if I could just get this job, then I'd be happy, fulfilled, and secure. For how long? How long does the new car smell last? Probably longer than the new car satisfaction, right? Are we looking... Are we trusting in all these other things rather than trusting in our God? God, you are faithful. God, you are powerful. God, you are a promise-making God who is for me. Therefore, in Christ, I am a new creation, forgiven, secure, loved and accepted, one with whom God is well-pleased. And we can go on and on and on. I'm an ambassador for Christ. I'm reconciled to God to be, go about sharing that good news with others. I'm a disciple who goes to make disciples. All those things are true, whether I feel like it or not. So now I will. So now Abram will what? He'll step out. He'll go to that new land. How about you? When you recognize who God is, when you've brought Jesus in front... When he's right there, therefore he's at your right hand so you won't be shaken. Therefore, he now says, this is who you are in Christ. So now, what will you do? Now, he doesn't call you to have, I mean, if you have lots of kids, that's fantastic. If you don't have any kids, that's okay, okay? He doesn't necessarily have those same promises for you because all those promises were for Abram and they were fulfilled in Jesus through whom all the world is blessed. Question for you today is, what are the promises, what is the work that God has for you to do? So, again, let's do the Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. It is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are what? God, I'm sorry, do you not know this one? Pat does. For we are God's workmanship. Can we say those two words together? We are God's workmanship. Isn't that awesome? We are his intricate design. We are put together perfectly by God for what he's prepared in advance for us to do. 
I will not be coming over your house to fix plumbing. I will not be coming over your house to fix anything. But I might come over your house to listen to what you're going through and be able to point you back to Jesus. But there are others here who will do your plumbing or fix your house or put a doggy door in or do any other kind of stuff that you need to have done. But what is God prepared and sending you to do? How about Matthew 28, where it says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus says. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing and teaching. Is that just for me? No, we're all involved in that, right? So how do we go about making disciples? Do we go building relationships? Do we go loving people? Do we go reminding them and sharing the good news with them? Can you do that as well? Yes, is that what God is sending you to do? Do you believe that God goes before you? He's already preparing the way so you just kind of step in to do what God's given you to do? And you can be useful like that? Question is, Abram heard God say go, and you know what he did? He went. God is saying to you today, go! No thanks. I got a meal, and then I got other stuff going on. I'm kind of busy today, God. No. Does that ever happen? Where you're like, I don't think I want to really do that, God, because that looks scary, or I'll probably screw it up for you because I'm really big, and God, you're not very big, and you could never use my mistakes to get things done. Maybe. So if God is big enough to accomplish what he's going to do, He's already prepared the work for you to do. He's already prepared you to do it. And he simply says, go. Make those disciples. Do that work. And lastly, be an ambassador of reconciliation. You go for God. I can go up to Ron And I can share with him that I have been made right with God and that God has that same gift for Ron. Do you know what makes this not work so well, though? If I really don't believe that God has reconciled me to himself, I have a hard time being an agent of reconciliation if I don't really believe it's true for me. So first and foremost, what God does here in church is he says, will you receive my gift? Will you recognize that what I've done for you and my son, Jesus Christ, has made you right with me? Will you be reconciled so that you can be a reconciler? Do you know what it takes to be reconciled? You quoted it with me earlier. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever what? Believes in him. Will I trust that what God has done for me in Jesus is sufficient? Or will I have to keep my pride up and say, no, 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 I got to do my part. He's got a full life for you and for me. As we trust him, Trust and go where he sends us.
One last thing. Forgot to share this with you. Thought this was so excellent. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says this. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Have you ever been the, the little child that was the last one to be picked for the sports team? Okay. It stinks to be the last one chosen, doesn't it? It stinks to be the one that nobody actually wants on their team because you like cursing. And if you're the first one, you have no idea what that feels like. Okay. But you are the chosen of God, a royal nation, a chosen people. That's who you are. Therefore, in Christ, I am chosen. Would you just say those three words with me? I am chosen. I am chosen. Do you believe that? If you don't, my office is down the hall on the left. I'd love to hear why you say that you're not chosen. I'd love for you to hear, I'd love to hear what's convinced you that God Almighty would not be able to say to you, I choose you through my word. I've made you right. And if we're the chosen ones to declare God's praises, the one who's brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light, do you notice how God said to Abram, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. So will your eyes be open as God sends you, right? God says to you as you receive his gifts here, as you're filled with his gifts, with the sacrament today, as you're filled with his love and his acceptance and his grace, and he says, now go! How many of us will be like Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6? Here I am, send me, send me! Morning. How many of you will be like Isaiah? Here I am. Send me. Send me. Two and a half people. Okay. <laughs> One more time. If I don't get a right hand, it's okay. Because I'll be like, you're just tired. I get it. How many of us will join Isaiah saying, here I am. Send me. Send me. See, it took me three times. And God knows your heart. He knows that. All the rest of you are still sitting on your hands. <laughs> Let's go where God calls us and just recognize he's putting all those people in your path already. Just have eyes to see them and meet those needs. It might just be a cup of cold water. It might just be an encouraging word. It might just be ears to listen. It might just be a gentle Christian conversation. But I hope you, like Abraham, go. Amen?